We're glad you've joined us on Songs of Praise, an hour of musical reflection to encourage your heart.
Lord, I take my pen to write to you a letter, knowing even now you know what's on my mind. But I think perhaps it might make me feel better if I see myself here written in a As I close, I see a phrase I took for granted, and it leaps out as I see it written there. And as the truth of it begins to become planted, these two words have now become my heartfelt prayer. Sincerely yours, Lord, I sign my life to you. Sincerely yours, with a strong and honest wish to be the best.
the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. But drops of grief can Shall I bathe my weary soul 
in seas of heavenly rest, and not a wave of trouble roll across my peaceful breast, across my peaceful breast, across my peaceful breast, and not a wave of trouble roll across my peaceful breast. Invite your family and friends to also enjoy songs of praise.
There's no one 
Psalm 149 verse 1 Praise ye the Lord, sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise in the congregation of saints.
tragedy Sin and selfishness abound Terrible things happen to our sisters and brothers Justice seems nowhere to be found But God is much closer than we can imagine And the sin-sick world won't always be this way Lord, I long for your restoration When you make all things new I can't wait for that day, sweet Jesus When we will be together Children starving people live in poverty Even nature cries and groans Natural disasters, thousands die in agony This is not how it was meant to be But God is much nearer He's coming soon to take the pain away Lord, I long for your restoration When you make all things new I can't wait for the day, sweet Jesus When we will be together With you in peace, with you in harmony, with you in joy, with you throughout eternity.
This is Songs of Praise, brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.
Was made. My death by his death was all paid. 
again next time on Songs of Praise brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio to enjoy more uplifting music. You are listening to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading. Today we are continuing with the book Deeply Esteemed The Life and Ministry of H.C.K. Harker. The reader is Dr. Barry Harker, the author and also the grandson of Pastor Harold Harker, the subject of the book. Here is our reader. Continuing chapter 13. Last time we finished with Harold's report of the street mission that he conducted outside his house in Lewisham, Sydney, in 1929, resuming now. At the South New South Wales camp meeting held at Westmead Park near Parramatta, from October 8 to 20, 1929, Harold was one of the evening speakers for the meetings which were attended by many of the local residents. At the camp, Harold was asked to remain at Stanmore Church. From Lewisham, the family moved to 23 Northcote Street, Haberfield. The house was more suitable for the family than the one at Lewisham. It was also the nicest house that the family had been in since Devonport, Tasmania. Laura, Winifred, Stanford and Eric were working and their board assisted with the rent. Glorious sunshine and a mild breeze greeted the first Sabbath of the new year at Stanmore Church. Harold preached the sermon for the divine service and after a few introductory remarks, the meeting was given over to the members' testimonies of God's goodness and mercy to them in the previous year. After this, those in attendance separated into groups of men and women and repaired to different rooms for the ordinance of humility. In this ordinance, enjoined upon believers in John 13, 14-17, members chose a partner 
and then washed each other's feet in an act of humility, preparatory to the communion service or Lord's Supper, in which 98 members and visitors participated. In February, Harold went with Pastor C.H. Parker, the conference president, Pastor Charles Head, and Brethren W.S. Wren and T.J. Bradley to Dubbo, Wellington, and adjacent towns for four days to collect donations door-to-door for the Appeal for Missions campaign, collecting 80 pounds and opening four homes for Bible study, including that of a young lady in Dubbo. All but Pastor Parker and Brother Bradley then went to the south coast for four days and brought back 65 pounds. This was an excellent result as the Great Depression was beginning to be felt in Australia. Harold conducted another tent mission in Leichhardt in 1930, and 14 new Sabbath keepers began attending the Stanmore Church, with plans to be baptised. As the weather turned cold, the tent was taken down and the interested ones were invited to Sunday night meetings in the Stanmore Church. In July, at a Sabbath morning service, Harold baptised four people. One candidate was a Serbian man who had travelled more than 200 miles to be baptised, He could not speak English very well, and his brother had recently lost his job on account of his desire to keep the Sabbath. Harold advertised his plight in the Australasian record in August. Harold attended the Australasian Union Conference session, which commenced on September 4, as a delegate for the South New South Wales Conference. November 6-16, Harold attended the South New South Wales Conference and camp meeting at Concord Park, The evening meetings were packed with residents from surrounding suburbs and the interest generated needed to be followed up. Harold, supported by brother James Lawson and sister Elsie Moran, commenced a mission in one of the small pavilions at Concord Park the first Sunday after the camp meeting finished. That gave them time to find a suitable block for the tent mission. They were directed to a vacant block just several minutes walk from Concord Park and beside the tram line near Burwood. On the second Sunday after the camp meeting finished, the tent was ready and the advertising done. Their efforts were rewarded with a good attendance, which steadily increased over time until every available seat was taken. Within several months, 50 meetings had been held, covering many phases of the Adventist message, including lectures on Australian diseases by Dr George Hardwick and lectures by dietitian. O. Hillestrand. Pastor Reuben Hare, the new conference president, gave a Magic Lantern lecture on the life of Christ, and Pastor W. G. Turner gave a Magic Lantern lecture on the worldwide work of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. The lectures helped to deepen the interest. The close proximity of the Concord Church also helped Harold and his team. The prayers and attendance of church members were encouraging and in many instances church members were able to direct the mission team to homes that opened for Bible study. In his report published on April 20, 1931, Harold informed the readers of the Australasian record that 33 persons were baptised since the Concord camp meeting began the previous November. More than half of these were won to the cause at the tent mission, while the remainder had taken their stand prior to the camp meeting but needed the instructions since given. In addition to those baptised, there were another 20 or more who were attending the Concord Church and still more who were seriously considering the messages given. 
mission staff members were kept busy studying the Bible with these people. At the Ordinance of Humility conducted before the Communion service, there were 85 in attendance, with many watching or participating for the first time. Harold indicated that the impression left was deep, and if the interest continued to grow, the Concord Church would need to give serious attention to extending the church building. He hoped and prayed that such would be the case. In concluding his report, Harold thanked his fellow labourers and those who helped and continued to help in the mission, finishing with these words, For the success so far obtained, we give our blessed Lord all the praise, to him be all the glory. The mission continued and the tent was moved to a new location with no loss of interest. A little intensity was added to the work of the mission when a controversy arose over the invitation for Pastor Hare to participate in Anzac Day services at Concord. Eight members of the local clergy boycotted the service because they believed that Seventh-day Adventist teaching on the state of the dead dishonoured fallen soldiers. A request was made for Pastor Hare, whose Anzac Day address was described as brilliant in one of the letters that was published in the Concord and District News to state the Seventh-day Adventist position. He spoke to an audience of more than a thousand at the largest theatre in Concord, stating the biblical position, as upheld by the Church, and indicating that the Adventist position was held by some other denominations. Pastor Hare drew attention to biblical passages that testify to the unconscious state of humans in death, including Ecclesiastes 9, 5 and 6, Psalm 146, 3 and 4, and 6, 5, and 115, 17, and questioned how this could be seen as dishonouring fallen soldiers. The Sydney Morning Herald and other newspapers also reported on the controversy and the editors provided space for the church to make a statement. The calculated boycott failed and the mission benefited from the positive publicity that it generated for the church. The Concord tent mission continued into the winter and attendances remained high. In June, Harold held a baptism in the Stanmore Church when 16 from the mission were baptised and two were admitted to church fellowship by previous baptism and profession of faith. Twelve others were preparing for baptism. In all, Harold reported 56 baptisms since the Concord camp meeting. Some of these were people with whom Brother Lawson had studied the Bible, and at least eight were young people who had grown up in the church. Harold and his team continued their momentum when another mission was opened in a hall at Mortlake, two suburbs to the north, running concurrently with the Concord mission. At the camp meeting in October... Harold was asked to relocate to Bathurst, west of Sydney, to take charge of the work there. Like Sydney, Bathurst was in the South New South Wales Conference. Laura, Winifred, Stanford and Eric remained in Sydney, while Phyllis, Raymond and Jack accompanied Harold and Anne to Bathurst. The family arrived in December 1931. Harold began work immediately. Chapter 14, City of the Plains Sometimes called Queen City or City of the Plains, Bathurst is 140 miles or 220 kilometres west of Sydney. In 1931, its population was more than 10,000. Situated in a wide undulating valley surrounded by hills, Bathurst was settled in 1815 as Australia's first inland city 
and the first town settled beyond the Blue Mountains. The church was situated at 155 Lambert Street. Harold lived at 222 Lambert Street, three blocks away. Harold wasted no time in commencing a series of Sunday night meetings in the church and by mid-January 1932 there were over 80 in attendance, 20 of more of whom were not Seventh-day Adventists. Harold also commenced open-air meetings on the Bathurst Common with a good attendance. The Common was a large unfenced paddock about 400 yards or nearly 400 metres from Harold's house that was sometimes used for training greyhounds. A number of unemployed people lived in very rough conditions at one end of the Common. The Depression was ravaging Australia and many people were unable to pay their mortgages or rent. Life got even busier for Harold as the annual appeal for missions got underway on February 20. The appeal had been particularly difficult in 1931 due to the Depression. Yet for all the difficulties, at least eight souls had been baptised into the church in the South New South Wales Conference as a result of the 1931 appeal. The appeal was an ideal way of making new contacts and giving people the blessing of contributing to a worthy cause. Harold led the church by example drawing on his extensive experience as a coal porter to solicit funds to support mission schools, clinics and other programs in the South Pacific. Meanwhile, Anne was busy preparing for the wedding of their eldest daughter, Laura. Harold conducted the wedding of Laura to Arnold Woods of Petersham, Sydney on March 24 in the Bathurst Church. It was a happy occasion for Harold as he gave the bride away and then conducted the wedding ceremony. Laura often played the organ and accompanied his singing at tent missions. Now she was beginning a new life with Arnold in Stanmore, Sydney. After the honeymoon, Arnold continued to manage his printing business in Petersham. The Sunday night meetings in the church and the meetings on the common were continuing to hold the interest of the people. Between 20 and 30 people, who were not Seventh-day Adventists, came every Sunday night. Harold found his hands full having Bible studies with these people. In addition, Harold had a large unseen audience as local newspapers gave him space to report his sermons. By early May, the meetings on the Common had closed due to the cold weather. Some of those who attended the meetings on the Common began attending the meetings in the church. Some had already accepted the Adventist message and were preparing for baptism. A baptism in the Bathurst Church was planned for the first Sabbath in June. It was to be a gala day when people from Cowra, Gallimont and Grenfell would be baptised along with those from Bathurst. Tithe from the Bathurst Church was increasing as the church prospered spiritually from the evangelistic meetings and the able leadership provided by Harold. Things appeared to be going well for Harold, but as subsequent events revealed, appearances can sometimes be deceiving. On Sunday night, May 29, Harold preached on the dangers of spiritualism. He was driven to the meeting by Brother Claude Watt, a coal porter who was staying with Harold and Anne. Brother Watt had a wooden leg from a vehicle accident. After the meeting, Harold wanted to visit with Brother and Sister Richardson, who lived just outside of town. Brother Claude, would you be willing to drive me to Brother and Sister Richardson's place before we return home? Harold inquired. Sure, Pastor, I'd be happy to do that, replied Brother Watt. The men were soon on the outskirts of town. 
The lights of the car illuminated the wide road as the men chatted about their work. The road went down into a gully and veered to the right near the bottom, crossing a small narrow bridge over a man-made ditch about 20 feet wide and 6 feet deep, or 6 metres wide and 2 metres deep, before veering left and straightening up as it ascended the hill on the other side of the ditch. Near the top of the hill, the road to the Richardson's place was on the left. As Brother Watt came down the hill towards the ditch, he kept to the left, failing to follow the road which veered to the right. Continuing straight ahead, the car plunged into the large ditch at 30 miles per hour. To be continued. Don't forget to tune in next time for the next chapter of Deeply Esteemed, the life and ministry of H.C.K. Harker. Let's listen to William Ackland as he shares a psalm from his paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift. Psalm 13 that I will share with you today is a psalm of David for the choir director. It is quite a short psalm, just six verses. And the theme of this psalm is trust in God's salvation. How long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long will you turn your face away? How long will my mind be in turmoil as grief overwhelms my heart every day? How long will my enemy lord it over me? Please turn and hear me, O my God. Give me a clear vision so I do not fall into the sleep of death. Otherwise, my enemy will say, I have gained the victory over that man and the troublers of my soul will be glad if I fall. All my life I have depended on your mercy and my heart rejoices in your salvation. Now I will sing praises to the Lord because his blessings have flowed over me.